Please join me in our prayer for illumination. God, we are here now to listen, to learn from you, to be strengthened and encouraged for our journey of faith, to be guided down the right path. So as we listen to your word, both spoken and sung, clear our minds of all the clutter, open our hearts to hear a fresh word from you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Today's first reading comes from the Psalter, Psalm 113. Listen now for God's word to you and to me. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time on and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high? Who looks far down in, on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy up from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Today's second New reading is from the New Testament, letter of James, chapter 1, verses 17 through 27. Listen now for God's word to you. Every generous act of giving, with every perfect gift, is from above coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those that look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to care for orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A few years ago, I confess, I binged watched a show on Netflix called Daredevil. Daredevil is just one of many Marvel comic books to make it to the screen. As a young child, the hero of the show Daredevil Matt Murdock, he loses his eyesight in a freak chemical accident. 
But over time, he discovers that while he may have lost his eyesight due to the accident, he now has amazing hearing and sensory perception. His sensory skills are so overdeveloped, in fact, that he can see the world around him better than other people can. In time, Matt comes to use this power, along with the boxing skills he inherited from his father, to protect the helpless and those in distress on the streets of New York City. Now, at the beginning of the pilot episode entitled Into the Ring, Matt finds himself sitting in a confessional, telling a priest, his priest, his story. As he rambles on, the priest interrupts him and says, perhaps this might be easier, son, if you tell me what you've done. Matt responds, Father, I'm not seeking penance for what I've done, but rather for what I'm about to do. I wonder if this is why, in part, you came to church today. I wonder if you've come seeking forgiveness, not necessarily for what you've done, but rather for what you're about to do. I'm asking this because I wonder if most of us have come to see our everyday lives that we will return to quickly tomorrow morning. I wonder if we see those lives that we live as something we should apologize for. Instead of embracing what we do from Monday to Saturday, I wonder if we've come to believe that our everyday tasks and responsibilities are the very things that get in the way of living a life that's pleasing to God, a life of meaning and purpose. When she was a teenager, Maggie used to babysit for Lois. When they first met, Lois and Maggie were members of a small Native American reservation where nearly everyone older than 12 years old consumed alcohol. Once a week, Maggie would go to Lois's home to take care of her kids. After about two months of doing this, Maggie started wondering what Lois could possibly be doing every Tuesday night for two hours in their quiet little village. So one evening after Lois left, Maggie packed up the kids and snuck over to the lodge to see what Lois was up to. When Maggie arrived, she and the kids looked through a window and they saw a huge circle of chairs in an auditorium with Lois sitting in a chair all by herself. Every other chair in the circle was empty. When Lois got home, Maggie asked her, what are you doing every Tuesday night? Lois responded, I I thought I told you weeks ago, I'm sorry, I've been holding AA meetings at the lodge. Maggie was confused by this. What do you mean you are holding AA meetings? I went over there tonight with the kids and we looked through the window. We saw you sitting there alone in a large circle of chairs. At that, Lois got real quiet and calm. I wasn't alone, she said. I was there with the spirits and the ancestors, and one day, you watch, people will come. And she was right. It took a while, but 10 years later, that room was filled to the brim with people. And her community, her family, her town began to turn around. It's counterintuitive, but a life of faith does not begin in here. A life of faith begins out there, where you work and where you live. As James reminds us today in his letter, there are no heroes or extraordinary people, 
there are simply those who choose to believe that they are right where God wants them to be. There are simply those who choose to believe that their everyday choices matter. In 1941, Viktor Frankl was faced with a very difficult choice. With his career on the rise and the threat of the Nazis looming over him, Frankl was granted a visa to America. By then, the Nazis had already started rounding up Jews and taking them to concentration camps, focusing, of course, on the elderly first. Frankel knew it was only a matter of time before they came to take his parents away. He also knew that once he did, once they did, he had the responsibility to be there with his parents to help them through this trauma, the trauma of camp life. On the other hand, though, as a newly married man with a visa in his hand, Victor could leave for America and flee to safety, where he could distinguish himself even further in his field. Frankel was at a loss for what to do. So he set out for a cathedral in Vienna to clear his head. Listening to the organ music, he repeatedly asked himself, should I leave my parents behind? Should I say goodbye and leave them to their fate? Where did his responsibility lie? Like many of us in times like this, Frankel was looking for a sign from heaven, any kind of external confirmation for what he should or should not do. But it wasn't until he returned home that he found the hint from God lying on his kitchen table. It was a piece of marble, a large piece of marble from one of the nearby synagogues the Nazis had already destroyed. And the marble, this particular piece, contained a fragment of one of the Ten Commandments, the one about honoring your father and your mother. With that, Frankel decided to stay in Vienna and forego whatever opportunities for safety or advancement in his career awaited him in the United States. The wisdom that Frankel later shared from his experience there in the midst of unimaginable tragedy and suffering, his insights are just as relevant now as it was then. He writes, being human always points and is directed to something or someone other than oneself, be it a meeting to fulfill or another human being to encounter. The more one forgets himself by giving himself to a cause to serve another person, the more human he is. Another way of saying this is that Viktor Frankl found purpose in believing that his life with all its ambiguity, difficulty, and challenge, his life, where he was at that moment, was exactly where God wanted him to be. Now, there's always a possibility that God is calling you to some, make some drastic change in your life, to move to a new city, to take a new job, to begin a new relationship. But more often than not, you can't move or leave or start anew. For most of us, our commitments tie us down to a certain occupation, to a certain place, to a certain group of people. For most of us, our lives are fairly ordinary in that they are what they are. But what if it is in this ordinary where we are equipped to do the extraordinary? What if it's in our Monday through Saturday lives and not in this hour on Sunday morning where we find and discover our true meaning and our true purpose. I'm not saying you shouldn't come to church every week. Please do. I'm not saying you shouldn't make time for God in your life. You should. I'm not saying you should not deepen your commitment to places of worship like this one. 
But, and this is the key point, if you do all those things as a way to make up for or apologize for your everyday life, I really think you're missing the point. James begins the section of his letter today we heard with a great reminder that every generous act of giving comes from above. Not some generous acts, not only Christian acts of giving, but every generous act of giving. And to that we might add all acts of mercy, of advocacy, of support, of friendship. All that is good, all that we do that is good, comes from God, whether we go to church or not. Which means that faithfulness is available to us in our homes, in our places of work or volunteering, and in our schools and on our city streets. We don't come here to get what we need to make it through the week. We don't come here to be more religious or somehow atone for the lives that we live. We come here to bring clarity and focus to the work we are already equipped and called to do. Jesus, James clarifies this point by describing the simple behaviors in his letter that have the power, he says, to save our souls. Being quick to listen, slow to speak, and eager to care for the most vulnerable. And even though these behaviors are not easy, it's hard to listen, it's hard to bite your tongue, and helping others can be challenging at times. Even though these behaviors are not easy, every single one of them is within our reach. We can do these things. We can listen better, we can think before we speak, we can extend care to those who need it most. These aren't heroic acts. These are things we are already equipped to do. In the last 50 years or so, educational theory has realized that listening to lectures, or let's be honest, sermons, is one of the least effective forms of learning. Listening is just too passive and individualistic. We need to put what we are taught into practice if we want it to stick, if we want to learn and grow. In short, we don't think ourselves into a new way of living. We live ourselves into a new way of thinking. Our life of faith is not primarily an intellectual exercise. It's a commitment to do the little things where we are with the people we already know. And don't get me wrong, we'd love for you to sign up for a mission activity here at the church. But if you are eager to live a life of purpose and meaning, don't wait for the right opportunity to come along. If you are ready to find meaning and purpose, begin to see your Monday through Saturday life not as something you should apologize for. See it instead as the very place where you are called and equipped to live out your life of faith. Because you already have what you need to be faithful. You don't need a new job or a new school or a new partner or a new life. The Word of God has been implanted in you and it has the power to save your soul. Today's passage is the only place in the entire New Testament where this word implanted is used. It means that something is inborn or innate. What James seems to be saying here is that the ability to be followers of Jesus is already in us because God put it there. It's not something we have to go out and find. It's not something that church will give us in exchange for attendance or an offering. It is something we already have. Not only that, but when we use this God-given ability, 
we actively participate in our own salvation. This is not works-based righteousness or earning a ticket to heaven. This is about the joy we experience when we follow Jesus by loving and serving other people where we are with what we have. So that kind word you offer to a coworker, the one that drives you crazy, that second chance you give to a friend, that third one, <laughs> that moment of grace when you hold your tongue and actually listen to somebody, that word of affirmation you share to a stranger, that's what it looks like to be faithful. That's what God expects from us. Today is not the most important day of the week. Tomorrow is, and the next day, and the day after that. True religion is not a set of doctrines or beliefs or performative weekly worship. True religion is a way of life defined by simple, obtainable acts of kindness that occur in the most ordinary and typical of places. True religion is something you are already equipped to do. So don't apologize for your life. Live your life, for that is what you were made to do long before you ever stepped foot into this place. Amen.